Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had the big book launch. Tullamore Dew was in the house with Tim Herlehy, their brand ambassador, and Jack McGeary from the Dead Rabbit in New York City who's an Irish bartender. Together, they wrote a new book called From Barley to Blarney, A Whiskey Lover's Guide to Ireland. Whoa, this book is awesome. It made my hair stand up. I've been to Ireland. I'm lucky enough to have drank at many of the pubs in Dublin and several of the pubs all over the country. Oh, that makes me sound like an alcoholic. At any rate, buy the book, check out this podcast, and always remember to enjoy it responsibly. That means don't get super drunk and start pretending like you have a really good Irish broke. It's so obnoxious. Ooh, the slow the ice what, you never saw Waterboy? Jeez. <laughs> I didn't see Waterboy. You probably never saw Waterworld either. Two of the best motion pictures <laughs> ever made. Am I surrounded? What is going on around here? Happy Monday, everyone. How we doing? Good. Right? <laughs> we got a lot going on tonight. We do. We're going to be talking about whiskey. But we're also going to be talking about a book. Mm-hmm. We also have a film crew from a film called Water of Life. So we're making a movie oh. about a book that's about a whiskey. It's 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 meta. The man. subplots <laughs> and narratives here are it's off the charts. <laughs> we're also like, we got the YouTube channel happening. We got a podcast. It's like, it's like universe. Yeah, what's going on? So I'm leaving. This is way too much. So it's ridiculous. Everybody put away your phones. I'm serious. Then it's really getting out of control. It's like, and he's talking about five things that I'm not even paying attention. Oh my God. Well, at least we have the whiskey, right? That'll kind of, that'll bring everybody back together. (laughs) Welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. I hope your Monday was decent, but it's it's about to get a lot better. We've got uh, Tullamore Dew in the house with Mr. Tim Herlehy, right? That's just like base level. That's that's just, that's just normal day at the office. (laughs) We're also celebrating the launch of a book. And we also have, Tim has brought with him uh, Jack McCary. Did I say that right, McCary? Yeah, you said it right, you said it right. Um, and there's two other authors who are not here right now. Mm-hmm. Or if they are here, they're invisible and they, <laughs> I can't hear them. Um, I'll just say that there's two of you guys here right now. Yes. But this is, we're launching a book here called uh I'm glad you've read all the banners. <laughs> <laughs> you handed me the book like 40 minutes ago. What am I, you could Superman I, read I, it. I, well, I, I looked at the pictures. No, no, I, I was really, it's called From Barley to Blarney, A Whiskey Lover's Guide to Ireland. And right. I've been lucky enough to, to travel a couple times now mm-hmm. to, to Ireland and tour around. And this, it just brought back a, a rush of memories. This is such a great book in mm-hmm. terms of, it, it goes through each region of Ireland, and it not only gives you a really close-up look at, at the distilleries in each region, but also the great pubs of Ireland, which is a whole deep culture all in itself. With it's so almost much the second history. book, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's give it up for these guys here, authors. They write books. I know. I know. It's crazy. They're a dying breed, but tonight we will we will coddle them. We will we will encourage them. So how did you guys, and, and this is a, a little bit of a, a collab project with the folks from Dead Rabbit. How, tell me the whole story of how this, this all started up. Uh, Tim had been talking to me a while about doing a book that was focused on Irish whiskey. Um, my business partner loves Irish pubs, and he had been talking about doing a, a book on Irish pubs. So 
it was essentially a marriage of those two ideas with some cocktails worked in the back and the whole thing, the idea behind it was not only we want to celebrate where we're from, but it's also because we're asked nonstop what to do in Ireland. Um, so instead of like, here's an email or here's, we're just, we just wrote a book about it. Um, so if you're going to Ireland. <laughs> Born out of yeah. frustration. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a book, it's a brilliant read, but it's dangerously a to-do list. We got 50 of the old school hidden gem pubs in there that after reading about them, you're going to want to see them. And we have 22 distillery profiles there too. And for Irish whiskey, the birthplace of whiskey, uh, that's a pretty big moment because there's a lot of new distilleries and I'm sure there's ones that you may have heard of. Some old brands revived, some new brands kicked off, but it's a real kind of cool moment in the world of Irish whiskey right now that we've made a little time capsule to. So there's a, a lot to do, but... <laughs> It's an expensive book because you're going to be buying a flight to Ireland after it. So <laughs> it's uh, it's your travel guide. But we'll, we'll we'll chat today like about all the things. This is pre St Patrick's Day. Jack and I refer to it as not St Patrick's Day. It's St Patrick's season. Uh, you're pretty passionate about it here, so we'll chat about yes, whiskey for sure, uh, distilleries. We'll talk about Irish pubs, and and we'll talk about maybe some myths and facts about St. Patrick's Day too, and we'll unite it all together over four great whiskeys. Now, where does the dead rabbit fit into to the whole thing? How, did, how does that connect with the book? I mean, so when we opened up the dead rabbit, we opened up in six years old now, and we opened up and the whole kind of idea when we opened was to uh, bring together our favorite pub, which was the Duke of York in Belfast, which I think you've been to, um, and a cocktail bar which we ran in Belfast called the Merchant Hotel. So the whole idea was to bring these two ideas together with the New York story. Um, so, uh, but the Duke of York has this massive Irish whiskey selection. So we wanted to have a, a large Irish whiskey selection. So we had a large Irish whiskey selection, but the problem that happens when you have a large whiskey selection, people start asking you questions about whiskey. <laughs> and we didn't know anything um, at that time. So we looked at the kind of model that's like Steve Jobs had with the, the Genius Bar in the Apple Store. And we became very passionate about not only learning about Irish whiskey ourselves, but making sure our entire staff knew about Irish whiskey. Um, so that's when we became really passionate about it. We also noticed at that time that Irish whiskey, we were talking six, seven, eight years ago, the big thing that it was consumed in was a pickleback. It was a, sh it was a shooting spirit. My goodness. And it, it's not what Irish whiskey is about. We have one of the most diverse uh, categories with the blends, the single grains, the malts and the pot stills. Um, so we really wanted the, the, the show, the cocktail world particularly, and Irish bartenders, how to be proud of Irish whiskey. And ever since that kind of moment, everything we've done has been about champion Irish whiskey, champion the Irish coffee, just champion in Ireland. Um, so the, the best way to do that is to be, be as passionate as you can and, and, and keep adding to it. And we have, currently, we, we don't have as much whiskeys as you have totally, but uh, we have over, we have about 270 bottles of Irish whiskey now at, at the Dead Rabbit, so. Wow, it's the oh, largest 270 set. Irish, that's yeah, amazing. So it's the largest collection as far as I'm aware in, in, in the United States. That's amazing. Well, you covered a lot of pubs, and if you, Check out this book. It's, you know, they have photos from inside these pubs. Like pubs in Ireland are, you know, that's where the community comes together. You've got dogs running around. You've got old timers playing music at 11 a.m. There's kids. You know, it's a family affair. You know, even the, the big, even Stagshead has like an area where it's like family dining and attached to this huge raging bar. You know, it's, it's really unique bar culture, I think, and, and very, very valuable. We could all learn about Irish hospitality in that way, you know, that kind of like, 
you walk into the pub and you just feel like you're, you're being hugged, you know, like it's just a, a warm place to be. And it's like, it's where the town kind of figures things out, you know, it's like, it's where the societal mind melds, you know? Yeah, massively, particularly if you're in rural Ireland, like it is the center of the community. Like these pubs are often, uh, we call them spirit grocers. Uh, so there's often a grocery store in there too. But there's pubs in the book that uh, is a grocery store that you can pull up to the counter and sip on a pint and have a whiskey at the till. Uh, there's pubs that have doubled up as undertakers as well. Uh, those pubs are known as the dead center of the town. <laughs> I'll, I'll do one more. People are dying to get in there. Uh, but they're bakeries. They're one-stop shops is what they are. And... They're really impressive to see. Um, but like the atmosphere of an Irish pub, like they tend to be almost extensions of people's living rooms. You may have heard of the, the Snug, which is a, a little, a little uh, private room which is just attached to bars and it's out of sight, it's hidden. And the story behind these is, uh, it used to be the place where Business deals were done. It would be where priests or cops could drink in uniform out of sight. Uh, it was an area where women were first allowed into the bar out of sight. And uh, dairies were exchanged. So there's lots of these characteristics that are unique to Irish pubs. And one that always springs to mind is the lack of music in a, in a pub. Uh, and when I say music, yes, there can be live music, but there won't be a, a backing track. Like the noise in a pub is the, the soundtrack of conversation and people meeting. And I think that's one of the things that make Irish pubs really special and something that you brought into the Dead Rabbit, uh, whether it's no TVs, whether it's creating atmosphere points and just bringing that Irish hospitality to it. So Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So let's intertwine this with a little whiskey drinking, shall mm -hmm. we? What is this first mark that we're trying tonight? The lineup we have of Irish whiskey for you today is very much to look at the full spectrum. So we're going to look at uh, four different styles here. We're going to look at single grain, uh, single malt, uh, single pot still Irish whiskey. And we're also going to look at, uh, at the blend of when we combine all those three together and what we get. Uh, and the first one we have tonight is teeling single grain. Yeah, so basically, as Tim said, it's going to be a bit of a, it's almost like a component tasting. Um, so I kind of alluded to it earlier on. We're going to try a single grain, a blend, a single malt and a single pot still. But this is obviously the backbone to most blends, the, the grain whiskey. And it's quite, it's quite fruity. It's a nice, pleasant, to me, like summer drinking whiskey. So a corn whiskey made in Ireland, where are you guys buying your corn? Uh, France is typically where we buy our corn. Ireland, it's known for a lot of things. Sunshine, not so much. And uh, we do produce corn. We call it maize, uh, but it's really not the best corn uh, for distilling. Uh, you're starting to see, in terms of grain whiskey, uh, wheat starting to make its way into Irish mash bills as well. Uh, but in terms of liquid in a bottle, when you're drinking a single grain, it's 95% uh, corn. And so when you think about like a grain whiskey, like you're saying, it's, it's kind of like the backbone. I, I think of it as kind of like it's the spine that you kind of hang all the other flavors on. There's an astringency here. You can smell it, you know. Do you guys get it? Like how it's got that real clean alcohol nose. Traveling through Ireland, I found that 
a lot of the whiskeys have that certain astringency at their core, yeah. which is it makes for a, a freshness and yeah. an easy sipping quality as mm -hmm. well. You know, it's it's clean whiskey. Mm -hmm. Utterly sippable. Yeah. What else is going on here? What do you think is happening with the Cabernet? As you guys stick your nose in this glass, breathe in gently through your mouth. What What are you reminded of? What food words come to mind? Butterscotch. What else? Fruit. Tropical fruit. What kind of tropical fruit? Banana, pineapple. Bananas. Bananas. Caramelized. Caramelized. So bananas foster maybe. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Getting sexy. All right. What else? What are you guys getting back here? No wrong answers. Don't be afraid. Everybody's right. It's all about your own experience. Say like marshmallows and grandfather crust. Ooh, that sounds good. We're getting really, we're getting a dessert crowd going here early, huh? And everyone's gonna run out of here and go get something to eat now, right? And typically, when we think of single grains, you're thinking light, sweet, delicate, honey, vanillas, and I think. Testament to this is really the maturation process. Tap some over your tongue. See if you can get some of what that. Cabernet Sauvignon barrel might be bringing to the table here. Kim, what are you getting? Cranberry. What else? I get a little raspberry. Raspberry is good. What else, guys? Don't be afraid. No wrong answers. Vanilla. Vanilla? Come on, come on. Bueller, Bueller, don't be afraid. Huh? I'm getting pralines. Pralines, that's beautiful. Caramelly, pralines. I like that a lot. Tim, do you know what this runs in the local liquor stores? I believe you can pick it up for roughly $35. Beautiful. And so again, just kind of as we walk through these, think of this as that first component as being like the base structure that kind of defines Irish whiskey, that, that solid, clean core, you know? Uh, Do you know what, uh, it's, so it's aged in uh, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. Do you know sort of roughly how long? Well, does it have, doesn't have an age statement? It's, it's uh, minimum five years. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's five years. So but these guys like so the Tailings, the two brothers of this are Jack and Stephen. Their father, John Tailing, he was in, he was in the guy in the late eighties that brought an in, he was the first sort of independent uh, distiller um, outside of the Irish Distillers Limited, and he was the first guy to really talk about single grain as a as a release with Greenor, which then became Kilbegan, uh, which then turned into the Tailing, and then you're starting to see. Uh, there's Method of, Method, Method Method of Madness, yeah, yeah. which is being released by uh, Middleton, which is our single grain. The single grain of Middleton's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm for, sure for now it's uh, actually just available in Ireland. Yeah. So when you're on your way back from the trip, uh, stopping duty free, that's one of the bottles you should be looking for. In the book, do you get into like when the Irish Distillers Limited became a thing and now with kind of the resurgence of Irish whiskey and all these craft distilleries coming about and, and now there's a bunch of new distilleries that even in the last seven or eight years have, yeah. have come up, but you kind of cover all of that. Well, we cover the overall history of Irish whiskey in terms of we set a timeline at the front because if you went into the history of Irish whiskey as a subject, it would be its own book and it would be a rather large book. So we went into it in a kind of short bullet point for format. And then with each category or each Connacht or each, sorry, province, we, we went and talked about the distilling history in that area. Um, so you talk about the big four in Dublin, you talk about the the distiller, distilling heritage in Ulster. So there's a, we go into a lot of historical stuff, but we try to keep it the lens on the what's happening today. Um, but at the front of the book, it's right up front. Uh, we do do a timeline of the history of Irish whiskey, and it's an interesting one. It's ups and downs. Like I heard a bit of giggles when I, I mentioned that Ireland was the birthplace of whiskey. I don't know what was so funny about that, but. Uh, <laughs> 
because uh, people don't want to think about whiskey babies. <laughs> and we kind of capture, I guess the main story with the, the arc of Irish whiskey is, it was the number one selling whiskey in the world. It was early 1900s, we had 58 distilleries on the island of Ireland. Uh, we were, nine, or sorry, 60% of world whiskey sales. And within the space of 70 years, we went from 58 distilleries down to just two in 1978. We went from 60% of world whiskey sales down to just 1%. And like in whiskey terms, like 70 years, that's, that's pretty short. And so I guess the question is, what happened? And there's many factors. Two I like to point out is we, we had prohibition here in the US, which we would look to being the second largest market for Irish whiskey. Uh, and you all know the story of prohibition. Uh, everyone thought that all the problems in the world would go away if alcohol would go away, but we know that it's a solution. Um, so 13 years of prohibition and even more before that, um, that was our largest market. We were a nation of 2.5 million people producing far more whiskey than even the most enthusiastic of 2.5 million people could ever consume. And then we also had independence from Great Britain in 1921. And you got to think of the British Empire. It was, you've heard of the phrase, the sun never sat on, or set on the British Empire. I believe it was 25% of the world's population. It was Australia, it was India. And we were the drink of the British Empire. Uh, Dublin was the second city. So when we gained independence, the British were like, oh, you can, you can have your independence. It probably wasn't that easy, actually. <laughs> uh, but it's like, off you go, have your independence, but we're going to place a trade embargo on all Irish products, not just Irish whiskey. So prohibition and independence uh, from Great Britain led to the collapse. And I'm not saying this to be dramatic, but near extinction of Irish whiskey. And that's why we went from 58 distilleries down to just two. That's why we went from 60% of world whiskey sales down to just 1%. And really, it was the birth of the Irish coffee which kept the pulse, the heart beating of Irish whiskey. There is a spoiler here. Clearly, we made a comeback story. It's not that depressing and sad. Uh, but we'll, we can get to that in a little bit. But, well, yeah, uh, we're yeah. Irish, so we'll always get to the depressing and sad part, right? <laughs> we, we lead with that. It's yeah. in the DNA, right? Yeah. So like... there's a cliffhanger there, guys. We'll come back to that, right? <laughs> Just rem remember the depressed feeling, okay? Yeah, that's what the two distillers were that survived. Yeah, so Irish whiskey came together as one company. You had the survivors of uh, Powers and Tullamore Jew. You had... Uh, Jemison, you had uh, Bushmills all come together as with their remaining distilleries being Bushmills and the, a new facility called Middleton, which opened in 1975. And that was to ensure the survival of Irish whiskey. But there's more now. There's a ton more. And you guys have them in this book. It's great. It goes mm -hmm. like region by region through all these different counties and like mm -hmm. all these amazing pubs and these new burgeoning tiny little distilleries that are coming up that... I don't, some of these whiskeys are obviously not even in America yet, so that's no, exciting. No, definitely not, yeah. So that's really, really cool. Right on. So what is the second mark that uh, Stephanie passed around for everyone to try tonight? So the, the second mark is Tullamore Jew Caribbean rum cask. And when we talk about a style of Irish whiskey, this is a blend. So it's a special blend in the fact that it 
is made up of all three styles of Irish whiskey. So we've already sampled the grain whiskey. Uh, this also has malt whiskey and it has pot still Irish whiskey, which we'll come back to later on in the tasting. So it combines all the good things about Irish whiskey in every glass and every bottle. Uh, we'll age it in cast of held bourbon and sherry, but what makes this special is we'll do a, a three to six month finish in Caribbean rum cast. So uh, the good folks at Demerara Distillers, uh, they produce fantastic rum and we were able to use that to season cast uh, that will um, create the finish for the rum cast. So some of you who know me will know my love of toasts and uh, my need to do that. Um, in fact, my, my toasting nemesis is sitting right here. Uh, Dan Dunn, who pushed me to the limit of my toasting capabilities one year. Uh, there, there were no winners in that, just two, two losers, really, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll give you this toast, uh, so please raise your glass. This is, uh, may you work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, dance as if no one's watching, sing as if no one's listening, make love like it's being videotaped, <laughs> and if, live each day as if it was your last. So, sláinte. Cheers. Cheers. I had to use that one before Dan stepped in with it, so. <laughs> what are you guys getting with that uh, rum cast there? So a flash finish, you were asking about like how long is age. In the whiskey world, often they do these, what we call a flash finish. So three to six months, it seem like a long time to us, but in the whiskey world, that's just a flash. It's an instant. It really is not much time at all, but it does bring a lot to the flavor profile. What are you guys getting though? Share your experience, no wrong answers. Pineapple, toasted coconut, toasted coconut. Right. beautiful. What else? Come on, I'm looking at you, lady. Who else? <laughs> Banana leaf, excellent. Nuts? nuts, like roasted nuts, raw nuts. Okay, all right, all right. I get some coffee in here too, a little coffee. Oh, that's beautiful whiskey. How much is this? This is interesting because I know that we first were trying the tealings and one of their main offerings is a rum cask finished mm -hmm. Irish whiskey as well. The small batch is finished mm -hmm. in, in, in a rum cask. Uh, and now this is Tullamore Dew finished in a rum cask. Mm -hmm. Is there a great history to Irish whiskey being finished in rum? It's a, finishing for Irish whiskey is kind of a new thing. You're starting to see, and we have a sample of it here, uh, you're starting to see wine casks, you're starting to see different spirits, uh, different fortified wines, beer and cider. So that's one of the new trend and experimental areas that are happening. The rum element of it is, there is this odd history of Irish in the Caribbean. And um, Montserrat is probably the best example that you've never heard of. Um, it's the only country in the world to celebrate St. Patrick's Day as a national holiday. And uh, it, it's crazy. I, I've been meaning to go, but they have like, St. Patrick's Street, they have Dublin Avenue, Cork Boulevard, and um, it's, it's a big part of their culture. And clearly Irish people, well, look at me, I, I don't exactly sun tan well, and so it must have been interesting to, to see how we adapted to that. Um, there's always bars that we can find, which is the best sunblock in the world. Um, but yeah, it's tying together that story of um, Irish in the Caribbean, essentially lost Irish. Do you know where you're getting your rum barrels from? 
in this case, it's the Demerara Distillers in Guyana. And the ceiling small batch, I know they've sourced from Nicaragua. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. amongst others, though. Flo yeah. Florida Cana barrels, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the earliest we, I've seen Irish whiskey in terms of rum would have been uh, Green Ore. Green Ore was, uh, had an expression which was finished with rum. And I know Bushmills, yeah, Bushmills have experimented with some rum finishes as well. So it has, it's not a, it's not a new like it, it may be new to like America, but it's not been new for for Irish whiskey. It's been a couple of decades. And that would have been the real history to like when you talk about how people drank whiskey two hundred years ago. Farmers would take whiskey that they made to market in order to get a grocery tab, in essence, for all the staples that they would need for their farm. So in that way, you know. 200 years ago, we didn't know what yeast was. It wasn't like these farmers were like, I'm going to use this Chardonnay <laughs> yeast and it's going to be awesome. No, no, you couldn't buy a bag of yeast because we didn't know what yeast was until Louis Pasteur tracked it all down. That was only about 180 years ago. So before that, all those different yeast strains would have been very localized. Farmers in one area would have had a different yeast strain. Not that they even knew what yeast was, but the fermentation would be slightly different from region to region. Microclimates, all these things would have a dramatic effect on the distillate that they were bringing. And then these spirit grocers would then blend barrels that they were getting from all these farmers and then sell it back to the public. But it would have been much different than the whiskey that we get now from yeah. these large producers. It would have oh, varied a lot. Yeah. Completely. And like, uh, I always get agitated. You're going to get a pet peeve here of, um, yeah, it's made the same way. It tastes the same as it did 200 years ago, which implies to me that you've made no progress or improvements. So uh, whiskey has been evolving and changing. And um, yes, it's a nod to tradition, but there is improvement there too. And then the farm stills were, would have been much smaller stills, like the little still that we have on the patio there. It's like, yeah. it's a three gallon yeah. still, mm -hmm. but that would have been relative to the way that farmers would have worked. It's not like a farmer has only one chore to do. If you're a farmer, you have like 18 chores to do every day. You can't just spend your whole time making whiskey would have been just one of the things. So you'd only spend like an hour every day turning beer into whiskey, and you would have been using a very small still, which creates a much different flavored whiskey than what's coming out of these bottles for sure. So uh, our next whiskey in terms of style is pot still Irish whiskey. It's at Powers John's Lane 12 year old. John Lane's 12, okay. And Jack and I are both very passionate about this because it's very easy to think you know what pot still whiskey is because in Ireland we've made it complicated, right? When people think of pot still whiskey, they think of a copper pot still, a piece of distilling equipment. Um, but what we mean in Ireland is we're referencing the mash bill of malted and unmalted barley, okay? And it's quintessentially Irish. And um, how it got its origin is when we were part of the British Empire. Uh, there was uh, the British wanted to put a tax on Irish whiskey. So the idea started was the more whiskey you produce, the more tax you should pay. So they decided to put a tax on the copper pot stills. The bigger it was, the more whiskey you're producing, the more tax you should pay. Easy. You just make smaller stills and run them more continuously. So we dodged the tax that way. We're crafty like this. So the British resilience decided to go at it from a different angle. So they're like, okay, what else do you need to make whiskey? Ah, malted barley. The more, uh, the more whiskey you produce, the more taxes you should pay, the more malt you need. So 
again, we're crafty. We decided to come up with a new mash bill of malted, but also unmalted barley. Good news behind this is it avoided the tax. Uh, the sensational news is it created this new style of Irish whiskey with a wonderful taste profile uh, of spice, pepperiness, but also a lovely creamy mouth feel. And that's what pot still Irish whiskey is. It is a mash bill of malted and unmalted barley. And it can also include different grains like oats, wheat, rye. And, but it's something that isn't done in Scotland. It's quintessentially Irish. And it is a great tradition to it. I mean, we have a pretty good sense of what malted barley brings yeah. to a whiskey. But why did the Irish stick to the using the unmalted barley, and, and what exactly flavors does it bring to the mix here? It's an odd note, but a greenness to it, yeah. uh, a liveliness to it, I, the spice and mouthfeel for me yeah. is where, where that mouth, comes. Yeah. Yeah. The mouthfeel 100% for me. Mm. I mean, the spice is a given. We're single malts. Mm. There's two different types of single malts in Ireland. You have your heavier, oilier style from the likes of the Cooley guys, um, and you have your super fragrant leg style from Bushmills. Um, so, and that's the same obviously in the sketch territory. So you've got two different styles, but for me, this guy is just super, very, very spice, like a light undertone of citrus. And that mouthfeel is it just, it's like you're chewing, you're almost chewing the whiskey, you know? John's Lane refers to the name of the original Paris distillery, yeah. which would have been in Dublin. Um, which and was a, 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 the distilleries that were in Dublin in the late 1800s mm -hmm. were judged to be kind of like uh, industrial marvels of the yeah. time. They were they yeah. were great examples of kind of like the biggest, best of the distilling world yeah. for those. Certainly biggest. It was the industrial revolution of Irish distilling, I want to say. And the biggest distillery in all of Europe was there, the uh, George Rowe Distillery. And they were proud uh, for producing pot still Irish whiskey. That was their style and to their fault. <laughs> So what are you guys getting on this 12-year-old John Lane? Yes, sir. I'm just wanting to um, get a little richer mouthfeel. Mouth a richer mouthfeel. Is that from going a little deeper into the tails? Uh, so, yeah, it's also to do with the fact that these the single pot stills, a lot of these guys won't be chill filtered. Um, so the, I think Redbreast 12, or Greenspot and Redbreast are chill filtered, um, where the likes of the John's Lane and the Signature release, they're not chill filtered. And, and for me, chill filtering single pot still or ice whiskeys is that Travesty, you shouldn't do it because it's, it, when you chill filter, you're skimming all that fat, and it's the fat that you want in there. So the fact that it's not chill filtered, you've got the unmalted barley, the distillation technique, they're really emphasizing that. Um, that's really where you're 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 getting you're getting it from. Where it's like you had a green spot, so even you could do a you could do a category tasting just within the single pot still. Because if you go from green spot to red breast to this, they're completely different whiskies. You know, because red breast is super sherry. Green spot is just super light, really, really light. It's an easy transition for a single malt drinker, like a lowland single malt drinker. Whereas if you go into like this type of guy, it's a completely different ballgame. There's definitely a nuttiness. Yeah, it's like a I, I always, when, when we talk about unmalted barley, for me, I get nutty notes. Yeah. I, I get the, but there's a, a verdant note as well. So green and yeah. nuts, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. What are you guys getting back here? John Lane's 12, what do you think? Cherry, black cherry. Black yeah. cherry, beautiful. Beautiful. That's those those pot the oils of that pot still, you know, and not chill filtering it yeah. keeps it really so much of that basier dark fruit notes, you know. Beautiful stuff. But the the uh, there's another one which is in this uh, family called Signature Release. It's a lower price point. I got low forties. 
and that's a much more cocktail friendly whiskey but it's a bit pre the, the signature release is a bit redder it's a bit prettier um, so if you want one for a cocktail whiskey, I would go, I would go more towards the signature. This is so fruity to me. I, I wouldn't even yeah. put it in a cocktail. Yeah. I would sip it alongside yeah. a nice beer, like yeah. something that kind of lightens up it yeah. because it's, it, it's got such a big, broad yeah. mouthfeel to it. That well, it makes a mean old, mean old fashioned. Oh yeah. yeah. So you guys went to all these different pubs all over Ireland and you took a photographer with you, obviously, yeah. mm -hmm. and you go into these pubs and there's like locals playing music. How long did it take you to get through all these places? Because like when I go there, I just want to stay all day, you know. Like, yeah. Well, we did a bit of that. We did a bit of it. I mean, all all in uh, the time that we spent. Obviously, we all live in America, um, but all in the time because we did separate trips. We did two together trips, and then we did essentially a whole lap of Ireland, and then obviously going inland as well. So we went to thirty counties out of thirty-two. Yeah, we went to eleven, a hundred and eleven pubs, and now I mean we we. When, when they were empty to get clean photography, we did interviews. Uh, this list was curated, and, and a lot of research went into it prior to even going to those 111. And like some of these rural Ireland pubs, they're fantastic. Like sometimes they don't open because they don't want to. Um, they they might uh, they might open one day at seven. They might open one day at midnight. You know, it's it depends. So when you're coming over from America, you kind of want to get a degree of accuracy on if they'll open. And there's no Yelp reviews on these pubs. They don't have Facebook pages or websites and don't have Wi-Fi. So it's like telegram. do they care to? No. Um, so there was a, I think maybe one of the greatest uh, gifts was maybe saying when these pubs are open. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, speaking of experience so there. you guys only hit 111, but I think there's what well, you were saying. There's like 7,000 pubs in Ireland or something. Or yeah, so there's a, a reason Jack and I are here in America. We're here for asylum because we only included 50 pubs. <laughs> we got 7,500 very passionate, dare I say, angry and vengeful uh, pub publicans in the island of Ireland. So. This book is yet to be released in Ireland. I'm not mad if we don't. Yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you guys can hide out here in the bar jack. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's a safe space. <laughs> Amnesty here. Love it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Amnesty for all. Yeah. And then we got St. Patrick's Day coming up around the corner. So, but uh, I, I always like to arm people with St. Patrick's Day facts. So one of one of my favorite is. Um, when we talk St. Patrick's Day, we always have to give our American cousins a lot of credit because you guys are the birthplace of the idea of celebrating St. Patrick's Day with a parade. Uh, first place was Boston, 1732, I believe, uh, to do the first ever St. Patrick's Day parade. It took us roughly 250 years to celebrate St. Patrick's Day with a parade might be down to Catholic guilt of some sort. We don't like to celebrate things. Um, but America always asks, like, are we doing St. Patrick's Day right? You know, what, what are we, what do we miss? What do we get wrong? I know what happened with Cinco de Mayo. It's not the same, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so it is a holiday in Ireland. In fact, it's second to Christmas. It's a public uh, holiday, so very much a, a family day. All the kids are off school. A lot of the workplaces are closed. So kind of the idea is you'll go to your parade and like every town village in Ireland will celebrate with a parade. They're not necessarily the best, but they'll still celebrate. And um, yes, it is. A, it's 
drinking is a big part of our culture, whether it's St. Patrick's Day or the tradition of an Irish wake. So it is a drinking holiday as well, uh, where you'll end up at your local Irish pub. We just call them pubs in Ireland. No need to define it as Irish. And um, well, maybe one of the most shocking things is up until 1961, you couldn't drink in Ireland on St. Patrick's Day because it was and is a holy day and all the pubs were closed. 1962 was way better right here. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, some of you may have heard that the, we, we always talk about green for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's our native color. Uh, when you go to Ireland, you will see a lot of green. Uh, but the original color of St. Patrick's Day was not green, it was blue. Uh, two reasons for that was uh, the Order of St. Patrick, their, their color was blue. Uh, and also at that first parade in Boston, a lot of the people marching in it were Irish-American cops who would have been wearing blue uniform and people would have worn blue to support that. It later changed to, uh, to our, our native color of green. If there's one thing you take away from this, which is obviously going to be a wonderful Irish whiskey book. But second to that is, if you're going to nickname it, it is Paddy's Day, D-D-Y. Patty, spelled T-T-Y, is a burger patty. It is a wonderful <laughs> nickname for a lady called Patricia. <laughs> if you want to celebrate St. Patty's Day, it is uh, on August 25th. It is uh, St. Patricia, uh, that's her day. Uh, TTY, St. Paddy's Day, has no place on March 17th, so stop it and stop it now. <laughs> so, so what is, what is this uh, fourth mark that Stephanie just passed around here? So this is the, our single malt to round out all the styles of Irish whiskey. Uh, I, I know this room is very familiar with single malt, so single, one distillery, malt meaning 100% malt and barley, 18 years old, the youngest drop in this bottle is 18. Uh, and what we do with this is we mature and finish this in four different types of casts. So bourbon, port, sherry, and Madeira. Um, and we'll often talk about up to 70% of a whiskey's flavor com comes from its casks. When you're using four different types of casks, it's a flavor bomb that will detonate on your palate. And any chance I get to use the word bomb and detonate in a tasting note, I take that opportunity. So uh, a lot of fruits, a lot of berries, and, and it will take a second sip because there's so much going on. Uh, but very much enjoy it, folks. And Can we talk a little bit? You guys also were talking about um, before the history of the Irish coffee, which has a very unique history as well. Where was the Irish coffee created and why? Well, I mean, that's, we're actually starting to work on a book now about the Irish coffee. A whole, um, a whole nother yeah, book just on the Irish lot, coffee. There's a lot of, uh, claims out there's there, a lot right? of different claims. I okay. mean, the, the most we've got, obviously, Joe Sheridan created, created in around the Foynes Airport for, like, there's that whole story with the American travelers coming in. Somebody wanted a coffee, they put Irish whiskey, Irish coffee, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it was created in Ireland, but it was America that made it, made it famous. The whole uh, Stanton Delaplane. Um, Buena Vista in San Francisco. Yeah, and then you've all, you've all that. So, but the big thing is, uh, Tim said, it was a, it was a, it was a shot in the arm for the save, in terms of saving the category. Um, and obviously the Buena Vista really, really championed it. So obviously the, the kind of, your question was when it was created. It was created in the late 40s, early 50s. Um, and it, it's become the Irish whiskey classic, but we really want to show the entire world how to make 
the best Irish coffee, a great Irish coffee, and there's a good there's the Dead Rabbit recipe is actually in the book. Okay. Um, so you, ha- really you have cool. you have everything you need in there. All right. So I was digressing. Back to this 18 year old single malt from mm-hmm. Tullamardu. How much does this cost? Because it smells beautiful. So th- this is uh, $110 at retail, and uh, guys, you, you're learning my tradition now. This is filled. Indulge me in a toast. Uh, this is. <laughs> Here's the cheating, stealing, fighting, and drinking. All the stuff I know you're pretty good at right here. Um, I'm a good judge of character that way. But this is if you cheat, may you cheat death. If you steal, may you steal a heart. If you fight, may you fight for one another. And if you drink, drink plenty with me. Cheers. 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 From Barley to Blarney, a whiskey lover's guide to Ireland. Congratulations, you guys. Thank Thank you you for writing this book. It was long overdue. It's a brave soul in these days who actually will write a book, you know, in this digital era where it's like people are like, I don't know how this works. I'm just trying to get it to, how come the words don't get bigger? I don't understand. So is it available on Amazon? Yeah, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble is available to pre-order right now. Um, By April, it'll be in all good bookstores, some bad ones too, but... For, for right now, uh, Jack and I do have some copies available for purchase. These are the, the ones uh, that are advanced ahead of the curve. Uh, but you can also pick it up at deadrabbitnyc.com uh, at their online store. So, you guys, let's give it up for Barley to Blarney, Thank you. Jack and to Jim. Thank you, guys. All the folks at Tillamar do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show was produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember.